The Triad Podcast Network is sponsored by Jennifer Johnson, owner of Three Magnolias Financial Advisors and a local certified financial planner who helps people plan for big financial goals such as retirement or college. Especially now, navigating markets is challenging, particularly for those gearing up for retirement, young professionals, business owners, or retirees. Am I saving enough for retirement? As a business owner, do I need a workplace retirement plan to attract and retain key employees? Am I using the right individual investment strategies? Personally, I had some of those questions. Plus, how do I save for my kid's college education? So I went and got local independent advice from Jennifer and her team at Three Magnolias Financial Advisors. They're located in Winston-Salem, and you can get started like I did with a complimentary, no-obligation consultation right here in the triad. Just call 336-701-1600 or email jennifer at the number 3-magnolias.com. Jennifer at 3-magnolias.com. And be sure to catch Jennifer's podcast covering all sorts of financial tips, trends, and strategies right here on this same feed with the Triad Podcast Network. Securities offered through Satara Advisor Networks, LLC, member FINRA SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Three Magnolias Financial Advisors. Three Magnolias Financial Advisors and Satara Advisor Networks are not affiliated. Satara is under separate ownership from any other named entity. You're listening to the Eat, Drink, Triad Podcast, the podcast of the Triad Food and Beverage Coalition. We bring the restaurant and bar community to you, discussing issues that may impact not only triad food and beverage businesses, but the public they serve. Let's open the menu and see what are today's specials. I'm Algernon Cash, and this is Eat, Drink, Triad. Uh, Throughout our region, we are seeing an expansion of food halls. Everybody's talking about food halls, no matter what community and city you go in. I was actually down in Lexington, uh, North Carolina last week, and I was in a meeting about a food hall. Um, so everybody wants a food hall. I'm on the, I've actually got a really good friend here. I haven't actually um, talked to Wellesley in many years, but it's good to be reconnected with her. But Wellesley Robinson, who is a developer and owner of Core Properties and Development, she has developed the Burlington Food Hall, which is located in Burlington, and she's also operating the food hall. So I wanted Wellesley to join us, not only to talk about food halls, but why everybody, why every community really across North Carolina seem to be food hall crazy right now. Wellesley, how's it going today? It's going well, Ajna. Good, good. It's so good to be reconnected with you. And um, you've, always, um, you've always been very busy. And I, I know even today you are still very busy. You, you're, you're Development company has a lot happen in, in Burlington as well as down in Lexington. Um, but you still found time to develop a food hall. Um, so tell us a little bit about the, the inspiration for wanting to do the Burlington food hall. Well, the inspiration actually came from our community here because we started this project pre-COVID. So food halls at that time were kind of a buzz and less excitement. Um, it was back in beginning of 2019. And we ran our downtown corporation here. We were fortunate enough to acquire this building. Um, And when it came our way, it's really centrally located in our downtown. And it's just, we knew it was destined for something, but didn't know what. Um, To be a community center, a hub for, you know, business and, and connection points for citizens. So as we started exploring options, um, our downtown corporation ran uh, what should this be campaign, basically, and people could come and they could fill out these forms and stick them out all over the windows and say, hey, what would you like to see here? 
And one of the resounding or the resounding, I guess, point that we got back from the community, it was during one of our downtown events, was that people would like a place to eat community-centered local options. Uh, They'd like a place to gather and connection points for all parts of the community, not not just one venue. And as we started thinking through different concepts, we actually had a few entrepreneurs you know, come our way during that, you know, what should this be campaign and said, have you guys thought about a food hall? And we thought, no, we hadn't really at all. But once we explored it and um, got into the details of it, it seemed to be the perfect fit for this particular property, the building, its location, um, what it could offer. And so we moved forward with the concept and it, and it took off. It, we were fortunate, you know, at the time it didn't seem so, but we were fortunate because we were actually COVID hit right at the beginning before we really started construction. So we were just kind of able to hold the project for some period of time and then begin it once um, we kind of started to feel that we were going to get on the other side of this guy and be able to reconnect as a community again. So we were also fortunate that our timing worked out so well. Well, congratulations, Wellesley. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to get down and, and visit. I know when we end the conversation here, we're going to find a date and time on the calendar for me to get over and visit the Burlington Food Hall, hopefully in July. You know, I'm familiar with the Morgan Street Food Hall in Raleigh. Um, I'm involved with Wicked Taco, and we have a location mm-hmm. in that food hall. Um, the Roar um, Food Hall just opened here in Winston-Salem. I've heard talks of a food hall over in Greensboro. Um, Stock and Grain is opening hopefully very soon over in High Point. And then you also heard me mention that even Lexington um, is starting to look at some type of a food hall. There is even a food hall being talked about in Asheboro, um, North Carolina. So, Wellesley, you've done this. You developed one. You're operating one. What is it specifically about the food hall that's attracting so so many people? And, and it seems to be obviously a millennial and younger crowd that's very attracted to the concept. Um, it reminds me, you and I are a little bit older, but it reminds me of the old school food court when you'd go to the mall. Absolutely. And you just had a bunch of options and that kind of thing. But um, what, what is it that what is it specifically that's attracting the market to these food halls? Um, Well, I think that from an entrepreneur side or from a restaurant side, it's the cost to open, right? So opening a restaurant is hundreds of thousands of dollars, as you well know. Um, Opening a kiosk in a food hall is more along the lines of tens of thousands at the most. Um, You can really actually keep that number pretty, um, uh, pretty low because the infrastructure is already there. It's a matter of coming in and being a part instead of having to create something from scratch, which is a huge, huge savings for the business. Um, It also offers density, which in a downtown environment, especially, you know, what we found is it's truly a rising tide raises all ships. So it's not about being the only one. It's It's about being part of a community. And what food halls offer is being part of a community. Mm. Therefore, it becomes a community space, which increases, you know, excitement, increases um, connections, and therefore it becomes more profitable. The Triad Podcast Network is presented by Icon Custom Builders in Winston-Salem. We've all been there. You're thinking of making some changes around the house. So what do you do? You take to social media, ask for recommendations to make those home improvements, and inevitably... 
You get 20 responses, and each one has a different answer. You're even more confused. Well, we're here to make it easy for you. Just talk to our friends at Icon Custom Builders. Whether it's a large or small renovation, they've been transforming homes in the triad since 2005. And like we've been saying for several months now, chances are you've got more equity in your home than you realize. So now could be the perfect time to consider some upgrades. Maybe you want to modernize your kitchen or optimize your outdoor space for entertaining. You can even restore your older home with a more functional layout and design while preserving the original character and charm. Whatever's on your wish list, Icon can help turn it into reality. Now, if you're like me, the whole idea of home renovation is overwhelming. But not to worry, Icon has a full-service design-build team that guides homeowners through every step of the process. Just visit their website, IconCustomBuilders.com, to schedule a consultation and start your dream project today. I think that's very interesting, and I, 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 I like the community aspect, um, and it, it caused me to think back to when my cousin and I used to spend time at Haynes Mall, and you'd go to the food court, and that's where you were most likely to see your friends. And, you, you know, maybe I didn't want the burger. You wanted, I wanted pizza and you want something different, but we could all connect there over food and, and have a great time. And it looks like now that's the energy that shifted into these, these food halls. Um, but, it, you know, obviously developing a food hall has to bring a, a wealth of challenges. Um, a lot of health departments are, are still yeah. learning about food halls. Um, in your case, you you were a pioneer because you were the first one to do a food hall in your community. So the health department had to learn. You all probably learned together. Talk a little bit about the challenges around just, you know, developing the infrastructure for the food hall and the, the regulations and just getting the right people on board. Yeah, that was significant. Um, that was actually really significant. That was not that was fortunately our health department, our folks here went through a learning curve at the exact same time that COVID was happening. Um, otherwise, quite frankly, our project would have been delayed a year just due to uh, the learning curve um, for our, um, you know, our health department and our inspections department was great. Our city really worked with us, um, but it, it is hard, right? So you've got these governing you know, state statutes that they're supposed to abide by. It's all interpretation. And here you have something brand new. So how do you do that? Make sure the community stays safe, which at the end of the day is very important. Nobody wants to go away and be sick, right? But it's also when it's new and um, it, it really changes the dynamic. Also, usually when you have a food court, those are chains and those chains then are governed or inspected by the state, not local health departments, but when you're operating a food hall with local businesses, you're completely at the disposal of your local health department, which is autonomous. So those inspectors have the authority to approve or deny um, whatever you put in front of them, right? Um, and so that was a very real hurdle. Um, I would say to anybody opening a food hall in any you know community where they haven't seen one before, uh, just go in with patients and expect delays because it is a learning curve. And um, it's a matter of everyone getting educated and hopefully you find people on your team who are excited to, um, you know, to bring it to the community and see the overall picture of what you're, you know, of what you're working toward. We did, we were fortunate that as we moved forward, we were all able to find that place and we were able to find the goal of, um, you know, creating good and new opportunity 
for these restaurateurs um, and, and kiosk operators, as well as making sure that we were being very mindful of health regulations and the code and so forth. So it, it took some work, but once we all got on the same page, I think it, it, it began to really flourish. Well, I, I know just from my experience opening a single restaurant, how challenging that can be. So I, I can't imagine opening um, a concept that has multiple kitchens and all the, the various moving parts that a food hall does have. I know that over in High Point, you know, for my audience, that's been part of the reason that stock and grain has been so delayed is that the um, health department, it's been really difficult trying to get the health department on board with their operation, not to mention mm-hmm. they're having some issues with staffing, um, mm-hmm. not, not being able to, to recruit enough staff to actually operate the food hall. So hopefully stock and grain is, is on a path to, to, to really be open and live here very soon as well. Let's, let's drill down a little bit deeper into the actual Burlington food hall. The food hall is located at 268 East Front Street. Um, tell us a little bit about what can we expect? I mean, what's the size of the facility? How many concepts? Um, what types of menus? So our facility, we overly complicated it because in the front, we have five restaurants or kiosks. So we have Go Burrito is our restaurant. Now, we do not operate our bar. Many food halls operate their own bar. Um, with, you know, I have core properties and development and our office runs the Burlington Food Hall. And we at Inception decided that we did not want to be the bar operators. Go Burrito is from Salisbury. There, it's Mikey Wetzel and his wife, Lily. Great folks. Um, so they opened this as a home store. Um, they also have some franchises in other states, but they opened this as a home store. They have had the same hurdles as many folks who are bigger, which is staffing. Um, they're working through that, just you know, like all of us. So their bar hasn't been open as much as they'd hoped, but it has been open every day, which is great. Just not quite the hours that they were initially intending. Um, then we have four kiosks. So we have Crush Superfoods. We have, um, currently we have Casey's Bistro. We have Oishi, which is hibachi. And then we have Hawaiian barbecue. Mm. Um, so all of these for our local folks, family businesses, um, they're great. They're absolutely dynamite food. The way that we designed our food hall is that it would be an incubator. These four kiosks would be incubators for restaurant spaces. So you can come in at a low cost, hopefully operate for one to five years, depending on um, what you're looking to do, and then maybe go off and start a full restaurant if it works for you. We also have folks who are going, we just really don't see ourselves doing that. We'd like to stay here for the longer term, which, you know, we'll of course just explore that as we move forward, you know, as with any new concept, it evolves over time. Then what we did is we also have kids play space. We have, um, we're turning our, a lot next to us that we also own in conjunction with the building into outdoor dining, trees, um, you know, we'll have outdoor games out there, live music. Um, yes, that space is coming along. It should be open by the fall for sure. Maybe some of it open this summer. And then, so we're really creating connection point for the community as a whole. This front space is about 8,000 square feet, maybe a little more than that, maybe closer to nine. The back of this building is actually a commissary kitchen, which it turns out initially our thoughts were that the kiosks would use the commissary kitchen for heavier cooking and so forth. 
So we got into this with the health department. That was not an option. Every kiosk needed their own designated cooking space within their kiosks. So our kiosk size grew and they became independent, cook, you know, independent kitchens. Um, so the back is a full four lease commissary kitchen. We have tenants in that now. We are still leasing our commissary kitchen. Um, right now we're full until somebody leaves the commissary or until somebody leaves the food hall up front. We don't have any more capacity there. Everything's occupied and lots of fun to come into. The commissary in the back um, is about 50% occupied. So we have some more space back there for um, caterers, food trucks, uh, local chefs. We have, you know, folks who do all kinds of different businesses that either they have, you know, are USDA or health department inspected. This show is presented by the Ginther Group, a real estate team based right here in the triad and the only ones we trust here on the Triad Podcast Network. I've been podcasting with Blake Ginther and his team for a few years now, always blown away by how well the experts at the Ginther Group can make sense of a rapidly changing and oftentimes chaotic real estate market. I know I feel smarter after each episode we record right here on the Triad Podcast Network. Then when it came to sell a home, I chose the Ginther Group. They steered me in the right direction at all times in terms of how much time and money to invest in order to maximize the things I wanted out of the transaction. And we ended up selling for nearly 10% above asking. Look, I can't guarantee you the same results, but why wouldn't you at least meet with them and see what's possible? Call 336-283-8689 or visit theginthergroup.com to see if the Ginther Group can help you own your future. Now back to the show. That's pretty cool. Sounds like a lot of moving parts. So far, what has been the the reception of the the Burlington community. Are they enjoying the, the space? Oh yeah. It's been great. Yeah. No, I mean, people love it. Right. So in fact, I just got a text from one of our, you know, folks, Wishy, who's the Hibachi, that they're number one rated right now on, uh, in Alamance County and Burlington for, um, for to go orders. And so I think, you know, if anything, the kiosks, especially one of the things that they've said, is that is, you know, especially being local folks, family-run businesses, they were not expecting the demand. And that's what we hear pretty consistently is that, oh my gosh, we opened, we sold out of all our food that we ordered for the first week and the first three days, right? And then they're rushing to order more. So we actually, for um, the month of July, we're going to let folks close. We Normally our operating hours are mandatory for everyone, 11 to 7, Monday through Saturday, 11 to 3 on Sunday. For the month of July, the end of June and July, we're actually going to, everybody's going to close on Sunday. Hmm. And um, give the, give folks, they've just been so slammed, right? They say they, they're actually in there more like six or seven in the morning and not leaving till nine or 10 at night because they just are, have so much more business than they thought that they would have. So the prep is so significant. Um, but I, you know, I think it's fun to go down there and, see families and friends and people just connecting and hanging out. Well, it sounds a lot of fun. I'm, I'm already excited about my visit to the Burlington Food Hall. Um, to my audience who's been listening, you've been listening to Wellesley Robinson, who's with Core Properties and Development. Um, they are also the developer and operator of the Burlington Food Hall at 268 East Front Street in Burlington. Um, I encourage my audience to go to burlingtonfoodhall.com. You can also find out more information about the Burlington Food Hall on their social media channels as well. Um, and I will be down in July to go check it out for my audience as well. 
Uh, we'll probably make a really cool reel or do a quick cool story and come back and share the experience at the Burlington Food Hall. Before I let you go, Wellesley, do you got anything you want to add? No, I mean, I think, you know, we're all about community. So if somebody's thinking of opening one and, you know, we're, I don't know that we'll open another one, but we're sure happy to share anything that we've learned in the process that could be helpful to someone else. Well, we may have to take you up on that offer. Like I said, I know um, Lexington and Asheboro are, are both trying to pursue their own food hall. Um, so you may become the, the resident expert here in the triad on, on how to do this successfully. Um, again, to my audience, thank you all for joining us. Um, this has been another great conversation for Eat, Drink, Triad. Um, always keep in mind, we are focused on bringing you stories about what's happening with locally owned restaurants and bars throughout the entire Triad region. Make sure you stay tuned to WTOB because that's where we announce the restaurant of the week every single week. And then the Eat, Drink, Triad show does broadcast on Sunday morning. But if you happen to miss it there, hopefully you are subscribed to the podcast and you can download it at Pandora, Spotify, wherever you like to get your favorite podcasts. You can download the Eat, Drink, Triad podcast there. Also, make sure you continue to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And until next time, y'all stay locked in. Opinions of this podcast are solely those of the contributors and are not necessarily those of our distributors or hosting companies. This podcast is copyrighted and cannot be used or reproduced without the express written consent of the Triad Food and Beverage Coalition.